Hi, this is uh, Commander Chris Hadfield. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. And I think that's one of the reasons we've liked the response that we've gotten from the challenge because it was literally a global response from people all over the world who wanted to have their piece of this and say, hey, I have an idea that you guys could incorporate into this. So it was nice to see everyone engaged in that aspect and wanting to to put their idea out there too to help. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Space poop challenge. Yeah, that's got to be like that's got to be clickbaity, right? Oh, sure, space poop. Well, I think we refer to it as the poopstronaut. The so, poopstronaut. Uh... <laughs> so we're like a bunch of kids talking about. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. All right. Before we waste all of our good jokes, Justin, bring us in so we can okay. get our good jokes on there. All right. So, welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Uh, this we are on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast. Find us there and listen. I mean, you can't listen on social media, can you? No, you can't. <laughs> find us there and go find our podcast. Whatever. You, I don't know. I, I'm. You're, you're doing three a, years in. Three years in, and I'm over the intro. You're so, doing a great job of selling it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't talk about this, but we are. Our, we are on our third year now. We are into our third year. We just passed our, our anniversary. I um we had we had toyed with the idea of doing a big round table. We I had actually we had a really good idea. Um but time got away from us and we didn't do it. So we'll keep that one in our pocket and we'll still use that that fun idea. But yep, yep, we're in our third year. We just passed our anniversary, which is kind of uh mind-blowing to me at this point. No, and we're talking to awesome people and we're having fun, but also uh, Jamie updated our our stats, and you know, we're seeing people are listening. Jamie, that's the most important thing. The numbers people, continue to grow, which is where we want to be. Still not good enough to get into some places, but that's okay. <laughs> not just, I won't talk about that. Patrick Stewart, <laughs> we're looking at you. We want you on yeah. the show. <laughs> there, I forget who there was. Somebody else. Yeah. Anyway, you were like, "What is that person doing?" That they can't. <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, that doesn't matter. And we're here with. A, we have another guest host today to talk about space poop. Woohoo! Space poop. <laughs> and he I'm is always Anthony. Up Hello, Anthony. You're always up to talk about space poop, Anthony. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so why don't you introduce yourself? Let us know. Let our listeners know who you are. Hey, I'm uh, Anthony Cars. I am a writer for Geek Dad. Uh, also uh, contribute to the uh, Forbes Tech Blog, and uh, space poop enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I just discovered uh, with this episode. I didn't realize that he was a space poop enthusiast, but now I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Forbes Tech. Ooh, fancy. I don't. Have we had someone fa- that fancy to host our show yet? Uh, no, Anthony is the fanciest we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I would say Forbes Tech. Ooh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worthy. Although, have you, saying- have you have you looked at the Forbes site? Like, you can't get into an article without watching like ten minutes of videos first. 
It's actually why I'm talking over everybody. I, uh, it's just kind of ingrained. As soon as somebody starts looking for content, I start talking. And that's audiobooks.ca. Download your audiobook. <laughs> All right. You can find me at Sunstricker84 on Twitter. <laughs> All right, so who, who did you interview this week? And you, you talked about space poop, and I don't even know what that means, but what did you talk about? So like what is it? we um so NASA is doing this uh, this thing which I guess is a relatively new development but they're they're crowdsourcing ideas for certain solutions for certain problems that they have um and it, it is what that sounds like they have a problem or or an issue that either they can't figure out how to solve or they just don't have the time or the budget to solve so what they do is they, they crowdsource solutions, and they run a competition, and they say, here's our problem, um, pitch us your ideas for, you know, not just like a, you know, an idea, but actually like how would you go about building whatever you need to do to, to solve this problem, um, and then, you know, it's an actual competition. They choose winners. There's a cash prize for the top one or two or three winners, um, and one of those contests um, which recently ended was, you know, colorfully named the Space Poop Challenge. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is It is kind of humorous, especially when you're just like young boys like we are, you know, <laughs> who still think poop is hilarious. Um, but the, the, the problem that they were facing was they needed to have a system to take care of human waste for when astronauts are inside of a suit for an extended period of time. So we we talk about this a little bit, but right now, and Anthony, chime in at any point, but um, what astronauts do now is basically wear a diaper um, because the longest that they're ever in the suits for a spacewalk would be a few hours. Um, but with some of the missions that are coming up, you know, the mission to Mars or, you know, some of the longer term things that they're looking at down the road, they, the challenge was looking for a solution that would last for six days, 144 hours. Um, and so they needed however long it would take to, to pick them up if something, you know, catastrophic happened. Yeah. We, we've got this window and that's a lot of shit. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, but yes, he's it's absolutely accurate. Um, so it's it's what do you do with six days worth of waste, um, and you know how do you keep it away from the body so it doesn't cause infection and you know be clean and, and hygienic and and I mean you know not clog up the system. Um, and so we talked to Kirsten Johnson from NASA, um, who is officially, by her title, a spacesuit technology engineer, which is just awesome. I think it's we the can, coolest title ever. Yeah, I think we it's can all agree cool. that's just awesome. Um, and so she was on the team responsible for combing through all of the um, submissions and choosing a winner and, and figuring out which one had the most realistic chance of success. So we talked to her about... Um, the project, some of the submissions they got, who won, uh, and where we go with from here in respect to uh, space poop. (laughs) We we did not ask her what her favorite fictional uh, spacesuit was, though, which really, I, it was, it was one, as soon as we 
we got off the line with her, I'm like, I, there's one more thing. Yeah. And it was way too late. And I'm, I'm just, I'm sad that we didn't get to ask her about that. I am sad too. Cause that would have been a really good response. And w- I tried reaching out getting back in touch with her to see if she could s- send us an answer and we could, could have read it here now, but, um, that didn't work out either. So, um, yeah, but we can ask our listeners, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So, yeah, what do you guys think? What's your favorite space suit, fictional or non-fictional? Ooh, there's a, there's a oh, throwback. Oh, throwing a wrinkle right in it. I'm throwing it out there. Fictional or non-fictional, what's your favorite space suit? <laughs> <laughs> and which one is just so bad that you love to hate it? Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anthony, what's yours? I was thinking, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, my, I think my favorite uh, love to hate is uh, is actually Star Lord suit uh, from Guardians mm-hmm. from the Guardians movie. Yeah, because it's it's a leather jacket. Yeah, and a helmet that he kind of remembers to put on in vacuum <laughs> at the very He's last like, moment. Oh yeah, I'm in the vacuum of space. It's been about a minute or so. Let me turn this on so I don't die now. <laughs> it just stretches all credulity. It, it's yeah. I don't. I don't know, Justin. Do you have one? I, it's not really something I've ever really thought about, to be honest. What? <laughs> uh, I really haven't. I haven't sat and thought. Hmm. I wonder what my favorite spacesuit is. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm giving you a hard time, <laughs> but I'm trying to come up with one now too. I mean, I. I love the ones from like the old 1950s sci-fi shows with like the mm-hmm. huge bubble. Um, yeah. Bubble yeah. helmet, you know that, and mm-hmm. they. It was basically just like, like a like a cotton outfit with a huge bubble helmet and some tubes coming out of it like i just loved i loved the look of those um but uh favorite otherwise like those are i guess the ones that i love to hate because they're just so ridiculous but favorite i don't know i i do i like the one i like what what was it that wharf wore on the movie where they had to go out onto onto the enterprise i don't know if you remember that one of the star trek yeah i don't remember what that looked like though I can't remember what it looked like, though. But you love it. <laughs> I don't know if you, you don't remember what it looked like, but you like it. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Whatever that was. <laughs> I think they probably had, like, just because boot. Worf was wearing it, they right? They had, like, the, the magnetic <laughs> boots, I think. That the magnetic boots them. were cool. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty neat. <laughs> I, I do have to admit, say, though, the the new unif- uniforms, the new outfits that's... Was it SpaceX or somebody else um, unveiled? It was the blue ones. Oh, that was um. Oh, wasn't that NASA for the uh, the suborbital flight? Was that NASA? Yeah. Um, I think that was for uh, their. Oh, you know what? Because we asked her about it, so it was actually yeah. it's the it's Boeing. It was for the Boeing's oh, the, the Starliner commercial spacecraft, which is just a concept <laughs> at this point. Um, we actually asked Kirsten about that, and she said that it was made by the same people who make the NASA astronaut awesome uh, mm-hmm. uniforms now. Um, I'm not going to ruin what she says. She, I mean, they're not actually that different aside from the color, from what we use now. Okay. But they, but they, they look like aesthetically, design-wise, they look a little mm-hmm. bit different. They're just a little bit sleeker, and they're blue. Yeah, which is, is kind of cool. I like that. I, I wonder if they're going to get into like sponsor patches and <laughs> you know custom flame designs that you can put on them. <laughs> Give them a racing stripe down the Who side. Knows, right? I mean, if if it costs Single billions, it, on the sleeve. <laughs> If you have to be a billionaire to be able to go on the commercial flight, you may as well make it fun with sponsors, right? Yeah, you can, like, design your own suit. Like, put your own patches on it and stuff. Right. All right, guys, so we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy. Kirsten, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. This is going to be, hopefully, um, 
fascinating conversation. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Yeah, I'm more than happy to talk about it, too. I know it's captured a lot of attention over the last couple months, so I'm more than happy to provide more details. Excellent. Um, and so for everybody listening that you for, who don't know, we're talking about the Space Poop Challenge. Um, and I guess I want to start off by acknowledging that officially, like the official NASA name for this was the Space Poop Challenge. Um, was there any pushback about that? Like, did anybody on your end want to name it something more scientific? Yeah, I think there was some hesitancy <laughs> kicking it off. Um, but we just decided to run with it to see, I guess, what it would bring us. And I think that's really what brought us all of the attention yeah. and um, external media coverage was that name. So we're glad that we stuck with it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the the name is uh, you know, it's evocative of what it is. And I think that's probably why right. it got ca- captured a lot of attention. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so if you could just speak for a few minutes, what was your, your role on the project? And what is your role there at NASA, too? Yeah, so I'm on the crew survival team out here at NASA, and my particular job is to um, help with the launch and entry suit that we're developing for the Orion um, future mission. So I'm responsible for everything internal to the suit that the crew would wear. Um, that's including the liquid cooling garment, um, so orthostatic hypotension garments that help with fluid shifts um, after they return to Earth, and including this um, in-suit waste management system that is meant for kind of contingency scenarios if something goes wrong with the spacecraft during flight and we have to have the crew get into their launch and entry suits um, to protect them over longer durations, up to six days. Um, That's where this in-suit waste management would come from. So it's a problem that we've talked about and discussed about for many, many years, but the need was never there to develop it at the time. So the need is finally here where people have um, said it would be good to have this technology on future missions. Um, And so we were looking for more out-of-the-box ideas to be generated. So we wanted to try something we've never really looked before and reach out to the general public and say, hey, are there certain areas that we haven't been exposed to yet and see what technologies might exist um, Mm -hmm. in other worlds. Mm -hmm. So in a nutshell, the the challenge that this was uh, you were intending to solve was that you wanted a waste management system that kept the waste away from the body correct exactly exactly we wanted something that would remove the waste away from the skin because that's the biggest thing we're worried about is um, causing an infection um, on the crew member's skin because of this so figure out a way to manage the waste pull it away from the body and then find a way to deal with that massive quantity um, for a maximum of six days so whether you keep it inside the suit whether you find a way to get out of the suit we were open to all ideas yeah what are they doing now if uh, if something were to occur where they were stuck um, in their suits for uh, an unexpectedly long amount of time? Yeah, so right now, any flights we have are going to the International Space Station, which are in low Earth orbit. So if something went wrong and they needed to get back home quickly, it wouldn't be that long for them to get back to an Earth scenario. It would be a few hours. Um, however, with Orion, we're looking to go beyond the low Earth orbit again, get in, um, go closer to the moon again, and then eventually, hopefully, a journey to Mars. Um, and in those scenarios, you can't have that quick of an, uh, of an Earth return. Um, so that's why we've come up with this six-day contingency scenario. The suit can protect you if something goes wrong with the vehicle, um, but you have to, again, protect yourself from these other things if you're living in there for that six-day duration. 
Yeah, so the the challenge was to find a solution to protect the astronauts for six days, 144 hours. Why was that length of time, that specific length of time, chosen? Yeah, good question. Um, it's kind of been derived from different mission scenarios that have been thrown about for Orion. Um, I think some of our upcoming ones are kind of around the moon and back, and that six-day duration is if something goes wrong right after your first um, burn to get around or to get to shoot off to the moon, mm -hmm. um, if something goes wrong at that point, the quickest you could get back to Earth is six days. So that number has kind of stuck and has been thrown about for future longer duration missions to say, well, if we can build the hardware for the six days, let's just assume that going forward that we have this six-day yeah. gap that we can protect our astronauts for, and then we can build other systems from there. Yeah. Aside from sort of an unexpected emergency, you know, a catastrophic emergency to the, to the spacecraft or something like that, what other circumstances could you envision that might require the astronaut to be inside of a suit for six days straight? Our biggest one is if um, you lose pressure in the spacecraft, so you suddenly lose all your atmosphere, whether a micrometeoroid hits the spacecraft or something goes wrong with the environmental system inside, and you can no longer contain um, that air pressure, the suit would still be able to function, and they would get inside there and protect themselves. That's the main driver for the contingency scenario right now. Okay. Well, um, I guess... Why did you choose to crowdsource this problem? Was this a problem that had you stumped and that you needed to go outside for it, or was there another reason? I think a little bit of a little bit of everything. One, it was to kind of just expose ourselves to other ideas out there because we kind of look in the same places sometimes um, to solve these problems, and it was nice to get kind of a refresher to see what else is out there. Mm -hmm. um, it was a good way to think too. Are we approaching this problem in the right way, or if, or if someone else has a another idea of how to approach this problem? So it was a good kind of check the box for us from that level. Yeah. Um, but I think we've kind of also been spinning our wheels internally for a while on this problem. So it was a yeah another avenue to look. Yeah. Were there? Um, is this is this something that you guys? Was this the first time that you have crowdsourced a problem, or, or was this just the one that got the most attention? Yeah, it's the one that got the most attention. I think some of the other ones have been, I wouldn't say overly technical, because this one is pretty technical if you get down to the details. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, like you said, the name really grabbed att people's attention. It applies to everyone's daily lives, in a sense. Everyone has their, obviously, own experiences with similar aspects, right? Everyone yeah. has to go to the bathroom. Sure. Um, and it's always I think it's been just one. The it's, first one that grabbed a hold of everyone. And it's been one of those questions, like even since you were a little kid, like well, how do astronauts go to the bathroom? You know, it's one of those questions that <laughs> right. everybody has when you think about what they do in space. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. Um, yep. It was getting is pulling at everyone's experience. Yeah. So, I think you mentioned this. You know, the application window was fairly short. It was only open for a couple of months for people to submit their ideas, and it yet it apparently broke all kinds of crowdsourcing records like you know you had mentioned before we started that the vendor who handled the 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 competition sort of wasn't prepared for the the turnout um were the you guys of, uh, of of entries if you will oh yeah 
were, were you guys there at NASA, though, surprised with the interest in the turnout? I think we were initially when we saw it starting to skyrocket. But, of course, when you think about it, it makes sense because, like you said, the name grabs people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it applies to everyone's daily lives. So once we you kind of wrap your head around that, it makes sense. Um, yeah. But it was overwhelming seeing all those coming to me like, oh, wow, now we have to deal with <laughs> all of these coming in and be able to look through all of them. So it was a good problem to have, but uh, overwhelming still. Sure. So um, since it was a challenge that was uh, it was more accessible to more people um, and didn't, uh, you know, as the previous crowdsourcing uh, competitions were more technical in nature, you know, kept kind of there was there was a, a bar of entry um but like jamie was saying you know everybody poops and you know you see that and you're like well i i have an idea for that what what was the most outlandish thing that you guys saw there was there was a, there was a few of them and and some were outlandish and some people just incorporated funny comments brought their kids into the loop and had the kids helping so you saw some entries um build prototypes out of play-doh whatever kind of people had around their house that they could use there was a lot of kind of diaper genie spin-offs you name it it was probably in there (laughs) um trying to imagine how that would work (laughs) yeah (laughs) the winners though were just announced um and i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about who won and and what that specific solution was and why that was chosen to be the winner yeah, definitely. So I'll talk about the um, one that received the top prize. Um, his, his name is Patrick Cardone, and he is from Del Rio, Texas. And um, the reason we really liked his idea is because it was kind of out of the box, but it had an application to um, to a similar field in the medical world um, mm-hmm. with laparoscopic tools. So he kind of um, designed a system where you have a port attached to the suit that you can put kind of a compressed tool in and then when it gets in the suit it actually expands and takes the shape of one of his ideas was like a a bedpan that was um, inflatable as soon as it got in the suit and some other tools that you could create um, to help clean the skin if necessary. So we like the innovation of it applying to another industry in the medical world as a laparoscopic tool and how we could then port that idea to using it in the suit. So we have some similar technologies that we use in the suit world um, for like a food port in the helmet where you have like a, a little door almost that you can poke through a straw mm. to feed the crew members if in a contingency scenario like that too. So this helped us like, oh, we could use something like that and something like he built um, to provide access for certain, certain tools to keep the, the crew members safe yeah. and make sure their skin is clean in this um, in this scenario. Yeah. So what happens next for them? So they, you know, the the competition is over. You picked your winners. A few, the top three got a cash prize. But what happens next for those proposals? Yeah. So from there, it's really up to them, I guess, how they want to run with their idea because they do still own proprietary rights um, to it. I think we, on our end, will contact them and see if there's any more details that maybe they. Um, couldn't put into their proposal, pick their brains further about where the design could go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we are interested to see if there is any way to develop this further with them or if there's a company associated that we could help progress this design further. Um, So we kind of just have to see where 
what avenues lead us forward with their designs. But we might also just do in-house testing um, using those concepts to see what we can come up with given their initial initial concept. Yeah. So it's not just because, you know, he happened to win the top prize and that there was a second and third and there was a few semifinalists. None of those are guaranteed to actually, um, I guess, get incorporated into a future suit design. Correct. So they're all still very low. We call it technology readiness level here at, at NASA, but mm-hmm. there's all still ideas, right? His was nice because he actually had prototypes on his bench top that said, hey, look, here, I show you exactly how it'll work. So that mm-hmm. gives us a better idea of how to incorporate it in the suit. But it will still take more progress to get it to a point where we could use it in a suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, correct, there is no guarantee, but it gives us an idea of how to run and develop these concepts further for future use, potentially. I see. Um, are, are there other problems on the on the docket that you guys are looking to, you know, sort of crowdsource that, you know, with the success that you had here, are you thinking like, well, maybe this, this, this would be a good idea to throw out there next? Yeah, I don't think in our suit world we necessarily do, but I think this has drummed up a lot of attention around NASA and specifically Johnson Space Center where we're housed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they are getting more interest from others to say, hey, because that had so much success, maybe these other ideas could. So yeah. we have a, a group based out here that pulls everyone's crowdsourcing ideas together and helps them, help, help them figure out if that's something that they could find a good solution for in that yeah. realm. I wonder, you know, with the constant um, doubt of funding and especially with, you know, what we're looking at for the next few years, that funding could be up in the air. Has this route to problem solving, do you think that it's become necessary almost? Um, I don't know if necessary, but I think it's a good alternative to what we've been doing um, to look at other industries and see how we could pull other industries and their knowledge into our mm-hmm. overall um, knowledge base because we aren't necessarily the experts in every aspect of technology development anymore. So mm-hmm. it's good in that sense to reach out further. Um, I mean, it probably, it does help from a funding sense too, to generate those ideas. You're not looking to certain companies just to come up with them solely. So in that right. aspect, yeah. Uh, so no, I was, um, just thinking back about how, I grew up with the uh, thinking about NASA uh, in the 80s with the space shuttle program and everything else um, and how it always felt like not just some, you know, monolithic government agency, um, but it was more of an agency that kind of all of us were working together to, you know, get to space and do these kind of crazy, amazing things. Um, And I'm wondering if, you know, these crowdsourcing campaigns uh, are a way to kind of, you know, reconnect, kind of bring that that connection back to all of us where, you know, it's not just, a, you know, it's not just the space agency, uh, you know, over there. It's it's all of us working together towards, uh, you know, a, bi- a bigger goal. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons we've liked the response that we've gotten from the challenge because it was literally a global response from people all over the world who wanted to have their piece of this and say, hey, I have an idea that you guys could incorporate into this. So it was nice to see everyone engaged in that aspect and wanting to to put their idea out there too to help. So, um, 
so I, I gotta ask. I, I live in the DC region, so I've been to the Air and Space Museum many, many times, and one of the things that strikes me and continues to strike me every time I go is how little, um, seemingly, spacesuits have changed over the years. I mean, really, you look at the, the Mercury um, suits and then compare that to what astronauts wear today, and they're a bit bulkier today, but from a layman's perspective, they haven't really changed all that much. And now, since you are a real live spacesuit technology engineer, I have to ask, how much have they really developed? How much do we just not see? Like, So what kinds of things can suits do today that like the Apollo 11 crew just couldn't have done? Yeah, I think one of the big pushes from those earlier suits is something that makes them more mobile. Um, overall, it's the same basic architecture is the same. It's still a suit that holds air pressure to keep the crew members in their right environment to essentially stay alive. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the aspects that those earlier suits weren't able to fully realize is the amount of mobility you need to move around to complete tasks. So that's, I think, been the biggest push from those earlier suits is something that is more mobile and something that we're continuing to work on um, before going to Mars. Um, I think that is the main aspect, but just incorporating um, lighter materials as they come up, as they're created for other industries, incorporating that. So it is a lighter suit um, that crew members wouldn't have to carry the weight for. Yeah, That was one thing that struck me when I was at Kennedy last year. Uh, they have the haul of all the suits from Apollo 11 up to the modern uh, suits. Yeah. And mm -hmm. some of it, you, you don't... When you see them side by side, it's almost like those first suits were armor plated. Um, right. <laughs> with taking that development of the suit, though, um, recently the, the they, that new suit was unveiled, which was uh, for Boeing Starliner, the commercial spacecraft. Um, and those really do look a little bit more sci-fi suit type, you know, like they're straight out of a science fiction movie. I'm wondering if some of the features of that suit or that suit specifically will ever make it over to the quote-unquote standard NASA suit that astronauts wear. Yeah, so amazingly, and it's you don't get this kind of stuff in the press release, but that suit is actually very, very similar to the one that we'll be using on Orion and oh, wow. virtually the same as the one we use during the shuttle. Um, the main difference is obviously the helmet that they have attached to their suit. Yeah. Um, they're going with an inflatable helmet and for reasons that um, other reasons we've just wanted to stay with a hard helmet for kind of occupant protection reasons. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, their suit also isn't that different either. Some of these um, commercial companies are looking to make them more, I guess you could say, aesthetically pleasing and yeah. putting certain connectors in certain places to hide it, um, whereas all our suits are driven by functional use. Um, so they have other, I guess, needs from a commercial sense to make it more aesthetically pleasing, make yeah. it sexier. So as, aside yeah, no, from... No hiding ports behind things. <laughs> right. So aside from them just being blue and a, a you know, different looking helmet and maybe a little bit, like you said, a little bit sexier, like they're out of a sci-fi movie, they're basically the same suit. They're made by our same suit vendor, correct? Oh, I thought it's amazing. <laughs> um <laughs> How do you think, I mean, looking at it from your perspective, you know, deeply entrenched in this, how will this challenge, the Space Poop Challenge, and any others that come along in the future to solve problems maybe we have today or problems we haven't even thought about or encountered yet, how do you think all of that together is going to inform 
you know, the future design of spacesuits. I mean, are we are, are, are we just going to continue making small tweaks or do you think that there's still room for a major evolution of the suit? I think there is still major room um, or room for a major change in the suit design, but it's waiting for some big technology that we can employ for this. So right now, um, some universities are working on different materials you could use for suit design, um, looking to see if we can employ shape memory alloys into a suit to help with um, the change in the structure as soon as you start applying pressure to a suit. I think we're just waiting for the right technology to come around that mm -hmm. can really assist in making a less bulky suit more lightweight, more mobile overall. So I think I think it's coming. It's just waiting at the right time for that technology to come. I mean, this this might be a biased answer on your part, but um, is has there been a more exciting time than right now in terms of space exploration? I mean, I understand the frustrations that we we face every day, but in terms of what is possible and what's on the just over the horizon, is is it? Is it exciting for you as it is for us to watch? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, it's really exciting, too, because you're seeing a lot more media attention, I feel like, than we've had in a while. You're seeing a lot of movies being created around the space theme recently. You have a lot of commercial companies with interests that are getting headlines on a lot of the major news channels. So it is exciting to see all of that start drumming up. So I'm waiting for those launches with humans to start occurring um, from U.S. soil again. Um, yeah, you and me both. Because it's been a while for us. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped for all that. Yeah, that's exciting, as are we. So we'll be watching with bated breath, and uh, this is super exciting. This is the, the first step to a brave new, better pooping future, but it's, uh, you know, I say that I say that <laughs> exactly. tongue-in-cheek, but it, it is solving a very serious problem, and it's uh, it's exciting to see the steps moving forward getting us to, you know, either back to the moon or to Mars and beyond. This is very exciting. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Kirsten, thank you so much for your time. This has just been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Best of luck with everything, and I hope to see some of these uh, some of these solutions that came out of the competition employed in the near future. We are too. Thank you guys so much. So during the interview, did you guys float any of your ideas to her about how to solve the problem? Oh, I don't think we did. You didn't float any ideas? No. I've, right. I had zero ideas other than, you know, vacuum up the butt. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't have any ideas either. That's probably what I would have come up with. <laughs> I was going to say, I was trying to think about how I'm not an engineer, obviously, so I have no idea what I would even say. It would be something like out of a, a eight-year-old kid's mind if I were to design it. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, obviously. Uh, since we're just sitting here giggling about poop. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was our main contribution to the, uh, the conversation, actually. Yeah, poop is <laughs> funny. Can, can you say poop again? And then, <laughs> Every I, time I she says it. I myself not how shitty her job was. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Anthony, you did a great job. I hope you Thank enjoyed you. your time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd love to do this again. Awesome. So how was your first podcast experience? Something you could do? You like it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I am, you know, I have a real problem talking. So, right. You know, that's... <laughs> He's going to go start his own podcast and become much more popular than we are. Yeah. <laughs> the last, yeah, the last got... beautiful, small podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which, by the way, I, and that was one of the things is uh, I absolutely love the title of this podcast. 
Awesome. Do you get like, the reference though? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, we've talked about that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because a lot yeah. of people don't understand the reference; they just think it's a long, weird name, and it is very long for a podcast name. Yeah, um, I, I grew up. Well, you know, I grew up going to Disney, and I spent many, many hours in the Wheel of Progress. So yeah. it's right. Like, yeah, That's no, awesome. I, I'm glad you get it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, and it's kind of grown on me. At first, I, I we just were me and James. I think we threw names around oh. literally for a long time. It was several months. Was like, we went back and yeah, forth with different ideas. Time. And then I was just like, what about this? And we were just like, you know what? We have no other good ideas. So yeah, <laughs> it really. Win. I want I wanted to have a short name, you know, like so many podcasts, like that's what they are. They're just very short, one word, two word names, and it's right. catchy and it's memorable, and that's what I was aiming for. And then you came at me with the great big beautiful podcast. I was like, that just doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, and I didn't <laughs> like it at the beginning. Um, but absolutely, it's grown on me, and I love I love the reference that it makes. And for people who get it, um, we know there are tribes. So, oh exactly. yeah, totally exactly. And uh, who was it? It was Floyd Norman who got it right away. The well, the Disney people get it right away. So, like, Floyd yeah. got it. Tad Stone's got it. Um, yeah. Jim Zub got it because he, he was in, immersed in that world. He was doing Figment when we talked to him. Um, yeah. And uh, somebody else got it right away. But, yeah, the, the people who know Disney, um, mm-hmm. they get it right away. But other people... Like with- and and so people might not know, but or you know, we do the liners at the start of every every yeah. podcast where we get people to read it, and there are a lot of flubs and people <laughs> saying the name wrong. And my favorite has to be uh, Ming Na Wen. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> and she goes, the the big beautiful, the the big bad beautiful. <laughs> what? <laughs> has to be one of my favorites. Yeah, we've gotten some good bloopers. <laughs> There go with my headphones. The big goddamn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so professional we are. Huh? I know, right? Because yeah. me, I'm professional. All right, Anthony, <laughs> where can people find you online? Oh, um, oh, I forgot to, yeah, say that. Um, I'm on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram uh, as Sunstreaker84. Cool. Talk about awesome names. That's cool. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, yeah. He's our big. He's our big Transformers guy. Yes. Okay. It's a very small, you talk about tribes. It's, every <laughs> once in a while, they're like, Streaker? I'm like, no, no, it's a toy reference. Never the toys? No, no, it's not that kind either. And, and I'm 140 Justin C, and Jamie is the Roar Bots. You want to say it, Jamie? You're the you said it, that's fine. I'm the Roar Bots. Oh, okay. And our show is the GBB Podcast Everywhere. And thank you so much for listening. If you don't, if you're not subscribed already, make sure you do it. You get episodes every single week. And we'll see you next time. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com/geekdad.